1: a plan for your life you've set goals you know where you want to go congratulations on finding star style be the star you are our vibrant hosts passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia Bryan and her energetic daughter healthy living specialist heather Brittany, share the best roads fastest detours and successful strategies for a life worth living On Star Style, be the star you are. Lend us your ears. The party starts now.
2: Is privacy an illusion? Is uh, Are you interested in boosting your brain power? Have you read the Breathing Series by Rebecca Donovan? All this coming right up on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Hello, power partners, and welcome to our informational pl- playground. I'm one of your hosts, Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Whitney. And you're listening to us on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Our goal is always to seed, stimulate, and support space for positive meaningful conversations that will get you talking. In Health Matters today, Heather's going to introduce us to a brain-boosting beverage. Then we're going to talk about privacy issues and how much technology may be robbing us of our invisibility. And we're going to meet the USA today's best-selling author, Rebecca Donovan, who dives into domestic terrorism with her disturbing novels in the breathing series. The Miracle Moment is brought to you by Star Style Productions, coaching you for writing, speaking, acting, and media interviews. Call 925-377-STAR or visit Star Style Productions to book your session. And this is by Henry David Thoreau. Go confidently in the direction of your dreams. Live the life you've imagined. So what are some grown-up beverages that can keep your mind young? There's really two adult beverages that uh, have a really great thing for all of us. One wakes us up in the morning and the other might relax us in the evening. And both of them may keep the mind young. One is called coffee coffee. And the other is red wine. So, Heather, you being our Health Matters uh, aficionado, tell us a little bit about what you know about these great beverages.
3: Yeah. Well, you know the crazy thing is what stuff we always report um, on Health Matters and Tea for Two is how... It always feels like each week there's a new conflicting reason. They, one, they tell us have a glass of red wine, uh, every day. The next they say, you know, not to, you know, more than one in a week could affect us or that coffee is good for you and then it's not. But the overall, I mean, with every study and as we know, you always, you know, take everything with a, um, kind of a biased thing that's to search out for yourself and know and always speak with your doctor before ever starting any kind of regimen. Um, but these things in life that give us joy may actually be happy health benefits. Um, even better, that's going to make whatever cup you're filling, whether that's your wine glass or your uh, coffee mug, better for our body. And I know, you know, there's some mornings, uh, and a lot of us uh, become used to that, that you cannot face a day without that cup of joe early in the morning. And maybe that habit isn't such a bad thing. And despite, um, you know, coffee's reputation of giving us, you know, the jitters or raising your your heart rate, you know, kind of those things in the morning, a few cups a day, and I'm saying a few, so not just one singular eight ounce, a couple of cups, a few cups, three cups there, Um, Can actually lower your risk for type two diabetes, um, colon cancer, lemon uh, uh, lemon damage, liver damage, uh, Parkinson's disease, and even now there's uh, information coming out regarding Alzheimer's disease um, that it could actually help prevent against that. Because what no, we have a lot of times in the morning, our body is still just waking up. And that they're thinking there could be a potential link with caffeine to brain function. I know there's some days, you know, where I'm stumbling through the morning, and my excuse is, "Oh God, I haven't had my cup of coffee yet. I'm so," you know, you're, you're just not quite there yet. Sometimes I think we all do those excuses. <laughs> Yeah, and and so actually, um, there was a recent study in two thousand thirteen that um, in the Journal of Alzheimer's Disease. Um, and as we know, that uh, doctors they they have these monthly and they have these journals that come out basically new reports, new scientific studies. Um, and you know, the journals are are constantly changing, but they're basically a showcase. Um, almost like a magazine kind of featuring uh, new studies, the successes, the changes, and what's gone. But in the most recent um, Journal of Alzheimer's Disease, uh, that coffee is a thing that um, could affect our cognitive uh, reasoning and dementia. And so, you know, kind of the the, the takeaway, what they found is that caffeine and um, coffee overall in general it enhances our ability to think clearly and make decisions and complete our task. And I know so many times, especially when I was working in clinic, in clinic we would probably go through three pots of coffee, um, you know, among six staff members, and all day long, in the morning, it was like, have to have a coffee. And sometimes, too, even just that aroma, you know, when you come down to that scent, that smelling it, that thing of, oh, that means morning, oh, there's something good coming. It gets us off in the morning. It gives us that little perk. And drinking moderate amounts of coffee actually um, it reduces mental decline. And many people you know, experience that as age goes on, and as we know, um, oftentimes, I think we first kind of start that when we're in college, doing those all-nighters, studying and staying up late, and, you know, there's something that you need, something to keep you going, and there's, it's kind of an, an, an interesting thing when it comes to caffeine, that technically, caffeine, when it barrels down to it, is technically a drug, it's a, it's a legal drug, um, and things that they say, it's the most abused legal drug that people constantly um, are drinking, and, and My one side thing I want to say quickly just regarding caffeine, when we're speaking of coming from um, coffee caffeine... Uh, not those energy drinks, not things that are loaded with sugars and caffeines and that way. Those things are well,
2: reported before. And also, have. when you're talking about coffee, what I've read is that decaf doesn't provide the same benefits. It has to be the fully leaded coffee. And, you know, of course, unless you're caffeine sensitive. Is, is that uh, yeah, right? No,
3: and, and, and that's something also is that caffeine in coffee, it normalizes how your brain functions. Um, and often, so a lot of times you know, when people are having caffeine from, uh, you know, these energy drinks, it's a synthetic caffeine, and so that's why it's you know, it's speedy, and people, and then they have this this up and crash. And as we you know, you know you have to, you can't just purely be relying on caffeine. We you know many times, you know when you've barely gotten any sleep and you're you know, drink caffeine, your body eventually you get that crash, you come down. So in always having you know water and stuff with like that. Um, but, yeah, that but ca- but, uh, coffee, you know, when you're getting to kind of the decaf thing, that for some people, you know, do have weird reactions uh with caffeine, you know, via coffee-wise. And some people it's just almost a placebo, just smelling it, just having it. And something interesting enough is... Decaf- yeah, I like the is- smell
2: almost better than the taste. I mean, I like the taste of it. But the smell I love. And something, you
3: know, with coffee and its purest always will have caffeine. That's what is in it. So decaffeinated, if you really break down, it's not caffeine free. You know, you might see some teas, you know, caffeine free that there was never, what they've done, you know, there's a process, sort of like how milk, you can make milk, either whole milk or fat free milk. There's a process, you know, to take out the fat, to take out the caffeine, but there's still traces of caffeine in it. It's just so low. Um, you know, the Food and Drug Administration, that when things are under a certain level, you can claim it to, say, fat-free or sugar-free or calorie-free or caffeine-free. So um, there is, you know, a very, very small uh, trick. And as we know also that caffeine, and, uh, again, it's the same thing, caffeine as well as in uh, red wine, as we're talking to you, has antioxidants in it. The the big thing is that always moderation, you know, not just, you know, to go crazy on this, is, you know, with chocolates and berries, um, and as you know, antioxidants are good for our overall body. And the antioxidant in coffee is actually, it's so powerful that drinking it, um, it actually can help uh, the brain reduce cancer by about 34%, is what these studies have shown. So, yes, you know, caffeine, as we say, that everything um, in moderation, that having too much, I know there's times if I've, just been drinking way too much caffeine, I'll get a headache. And then times if I, so I decide, oh, I'm not going to drink coffee for example, I get a headache, almost a withdrawal, because your body begins uh, wanting it and craving it so much. So, um, you know, one thing, too, and you can always switch to teas that have caffeine in it, but there is the thing that overall with coffee, um, the antioxidant boost in it that we know is so good for our brain and overall function uh, which kind of talks to you with uh, red wine that we discussed. And the big thing is the antioxidant in it, the relaxing and the red wine of it, it puts our body at ease, um, and it's just a way, you know, we need the same things in the morning to perk us up as, a, as, well, as, as well to relax us. Some of the things... Well, um, and the
2: same thing, though, with the red wine, you know, as we've talked about in other shows, is you don't want to drink it too late at night because then actually just, any alcohol, even though it might help you get to sleep at first, you usually will wake up in the middle of the night, you know, like two or three in the morning. And of course, like you said earlier, you want to drink responsibly, no heavier binge drinking. So we need to uh, wrap it up because uh, we are going to be going to our author guest. So just to just Give us the last couple of tips yeah, so on boosting our again, brain power. Everything in moderation.
3: Always talk with your doctors before starting any kind of exercise or dietary regimen. But the good thing, feel less guilt now that you're having that cup of coffee in the morning and you're having that glass of red wine at night. Key is moderation. But, again, think of the health benefits uh, that you're getting for yourself and with the brain function that you're getting as well.
2: I like that because all of us, you know, if we want to learn to play Sudoku better or Scrabble, or as we age, we want to make sure that you know that we are on top of our game. Then I think that it's really important that we keep our brains in good health. It's it's like any muscle, right? We have to exercise it. But when you know that you can give your food some, I mean, your brain some fertilizer in the form of food or a beverage, we might as well do. It so think about that the next time you have a cup of Java or you enjoy a glass of red wine. And I'm you know, I'm wondering, I haven't done research on it, but I'm wondering if grape juice, you know, um, if grape juice would have some of the same properties. Do you happen to know?
3: Yeah, well, one thing I just want to say with that is just being aware of yes, when you get things that are 100% juice, oftentimes unfiltered, um, sometimes they cost a little bit more money, but not the cocktail, same similar with. How blueberry juice or cranberry juice, you know, we know cranberry juice is is really good um, for various systems within your body, but we're mm-hmm. talking pure, the bitter, the juice that you really only have in two to four-ounce servings because it's so bitter It's in its raw form, not the cocktail juice. And that's always a side thing. When buying juices, something may say 100% vitamin C, but always look above um, the food labeling where it says the calories and the sugars. And um, by law, they have to list the actual amount of juice. Always try to buy things that say "100% juice" because oftentimes, well, it's you could also juice the fruit just sugar water.
2: Yeah, because the other thing you could do too, because you know, I just wrote an article about different um, vegetables, fruits, and herbs that help with our health system. But one thing with grapes is that you can just get some fresh grapes and crush them, all the whole grape seeds and all, and then drink that. And if you have, if you're Person that's prone to headaches or migraines, especially grape juice is excellent for that. So it obviously is doing something to your brain. Well, Heather, as always, a very, very great segment, and we love Health Matters. When we return from break, we're going to be talking with author Rebecca Donovan. She'll be with us to talk about her meteoric rise to fame with her breathing series. Heather, give out the websites.
3: Most definitely. We want you to go to betastaruar.com as well as betastaruar.org.
2: And I'm Cynthia Bryan. And I'm Heather Rittney. And you're listening to Star Style, Be the Star You Are. We'll be right back. Be
4: the star you are, the star you are.
5: Follow us on Twitter for more great ideas at Voice America Empowerment.
4: Be the star you are,
1: light up the flame that burns.
0: Low literacy
5: and poor communication skills have been identified in studies as major contributors to general conduct disorders, psychiatric disorders, criminal behavior, and adolescent suicide. To live and prosper in this society, we must be lifelong learners with access to knowledge and skills that can sustain our lives at work, at home, and in our communities. Be the Star You Are, 501c3 charity, has been working to increase literacy and improve positive message programming since 1999. You can help by making a tax-deductible donation today. Visit www.bethestarur.org. Everybody counts. www.bethestarur.org. Be the lucky star you
0: 925-377-STAR 925-377-STAR energy and jumpstart your dreams with positive life-changing interviews and star-studded conversations on our award-winning program star style be the star you are hosted by the passion purpose and possibility producer cynthia Bryan. now back to the power party
2: well we know you have a plan for your life you set goals and there is these detours on this road, but that's where we come in right here every week, bringing you the authors, the experts, and the books that inspire, entertain, edutain, and motivate you. Will help you ignite. And stars. I am Cynthia Bryan. You're listening to Star Style. Be the star you are on the Voice America Empowerment Channel. Well, in less than two years, Rebecca Donovan has transformed from an independent writer to an internationally acclaimed author with more than. Get the 60,000 online reviews and ratings, over 20,000 Facebook followers. She is a USA Today best-selling author, and she has really big deals with Amazon Publishing and with Penguin UK. Her breathing series is a trilogy consisting of the three titles, Reason to Breathe, Barely Breathing, and Out of Breath, which I read all three. And she's with us today here on Star Be the Star You Are. Hello, Rebecca, and welcome.
3: Hi.
5: Thank you.
2: Well, I'm very glad to have you on the show, and because I have so many questions about your series, there. This is. I'm wondering. I know how you started. It was like the winter of 2009, is what you said. You're unemployed, stuck in a blizzard in a small little town in Rhode Island, and you just had this. You know burst of creativity but these are stories of abuse did you yes. have a back of uh did you have a background in this was there family abuse where give us the backstory so we know where to drew on to write you know these incredibly poignant sad disturbing and yet hopeful stories
4: well
5: i I have a degree in psychology from the University of Missouri and so I, out of college, worked with troubled teens. So, I was exposed for three to four years of my young adult life um, to these hardships of these teenagers and the lifestyle that they've had to endure and the secrets they've had to keep, you know, under lock and key on their own. And, uh, that was really inspiring. Um, I had that coming out of college want to save the world mentality. Um, and I've actually found a way to reach that in my own way. Um, I feel like I'm, I am making a difference in, in the, the small pages within you know, the, the books that I'm doing, the story I'm telling is um is reaching a lot of people.
2: So the your main character of Emma, Emily She's very, you know, she's very damaged. She's very meek. She's untrusting. Yet she's brilliant and a sports star. And you know, I, I was the whole time. I'm like, fight! I'm rooting for her. Fight back! Fight back! Don't let them do this to you. Was she based on a compendium of people of teens that you met, or was there anybody in particular you were thinking of? Or maybe not somebody in particular, but an actual incident that inspired, you know, this. Wicked aunt, I guess it was a step aunt or whatever she was. some kind of yeah. aunt that was. Yeah, she was just so yeah. wicked. She was like, it reminded me of a Cinderella story with the wicked stepmother, you know, but it was the aunt.
5: Right. She needs does play that role brilliantly. She does. She's, <laughs> you know,
2: yeah, brilliantly. She yeah. has to, she's scrubbing but, the um, floors and cleaning and, you know, she just reminded me of this very beautiful Cinderella that is just beat up all the time, you know, by this wicked lady. But was she based on anybody or is this just based on your background, you know, in in your psychology?
5: It's just knowing what the damage uh, you can do to a person's psyche, to their confidence. And it doesn't matter how brilliant or what the person looks like or how social they are or aren't. Um, It comes down to... you know, the fear instilling that and breaking them on the inside. So, she may be an outstanding athlete and a a phenomenal student, but in the end, she's broken because throughout her life, these people have emotionally and physically uh, broke her down, and it's just that glimpse of hope that she holds inside that gives her that edge, that gives her that push, that makes her strive to be better um, than the circumstances she's in. So yeah no, it's not a natural person. I mean, I pulled from you know just my high school days of bringing creating that world, but Emma herself is um ist representative of, of of what a a survivor can go through in in those those times
2: well you, you introduced the 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 great friend Sarah, who's the wild you know she's the wild girl the wild yes. girl, but she's such a caring friend i mean she truly is. The you know the real deal, and then the wonderful man. My favorite character, Evan. I mean, he was just what a what a gem. He's like the perfect person that everybody wants to meet. And but what I took away from all these books is what you were just saying is that how difficult it is to have hope and how difficult it is to raise your self esteem and your confidence when, from the time you were six years old, you've been told that you shouldn't have been born and you're not good enough and et cetera. Do you want to talk at all about this kind of domestic terrorism that goes on in households? And it is that silent killer, isn't it?
5: It is. It, it, it really is. It, it's what happens behind closed doors and it can be happening right next door. And that's why I made this setting an affluent town um, to kind to of give focus on the fact that it can be happening anywhere. And these, these, Teens and these adolescents need a voice. They need to feel safe to, to speak out. To know that they can be heard, that there's help. And that's that's the problem with a lot of the, the survivors and victims of abuse is that they don't know their options. They don't know what's out there for them. And, it, and that's it's just it's a struggle. And wanting to reach out to them, that there's there is hope, and to hold on and, and to fight for that, for themselves.
2: Yeah, and, you know, I think you just said it, you have to fight for themselves and all also to find somebody you could trust because over and over in all three of your books and for those of you just joining us we are talking to best-selling author rebecca donovan she is the author of the Breathing series it's a trilogy and what was throughout is that there were always good people that wanted to help her uh evan's mother sarah's mother and you know even even jonathan you're character jonathan although he was very damaged you know he was yeah i mean major damaged right but he was yeah. also trying to help but the thing about it was she kept fe- feeling uh, you know over and over i would just read and you could read through the lines and you felt it that she felt she was not worth saving you know she that she was going to hurt somebody, don't get too close to me because I'll hurt you. I mean, even when she hooked up with Cole, you know, that was a very strong statement when he, you know, leaves her the note, I'm leaving before, you told me to, to leave before you hurt me with the times now, you know, um, she never, she really believed that she was just going to keep hurting people, which seems to be the pattern that people who are from families of abuse get into. Is that what you have found? Yeah, that they they feel damaged.
5: They feel that they're the creator of their own demise in that way. Um, without without that brought upon them. They they are the fault for what they're receiving. And they have to look and see their own worth and recognize their own brilliance, their own beauty, their own strength in order to break free from that because everyone else around them that essentially People that are in influential roles, the people that are supposed to be caretakers, they're supposed to love them, and from the moment they were able to, or it, whatever circumstances arise that it presents that these people are cutting them down and making them feel that everything about them is a burden, that's the way they feel the world will take them, too. And, you know, we, that's, that's that inner strength that they need to find and, and, and uh, come out of the ashes from all this destruction, to recognize that they are worth this, they are worth being loved, and they have to start with them.
2: Yeah, it's all about self-worth, isn't it? It's about self-worth. But, you know, there are so many studies done on child abuse and our self-image and all of that. That does really indicate that we get so much of our self-esteem or self-direction or the person. It was interesting how you had... Emma's father die at this certain, you know, at a very pivotal time in her life, and then the mother blames her for everything, you know, from from then on. But um, also, I know I was reading statistics about children who have been abused are fifty percent more likely to commit serious uh, crimes and, of course, are more likely to commit suicide. And I kept thinking about when I was reading about this 50% more to commit serious crimes, I was definitely thinking of Jonathan there. Do you you think that many times kids of abuse seek out other kids who might have been in these domestic violent homes because they feel that they understand each other?
5: I I think in the circles of of your your circumstances you tend to find people that are in that same situation in a way. You, um, and in that, and it comes down to what Jonathan, how him as a character, regardless of what he really truly felt for her, would that have been a healthy relationship? Because they are both so damaged and neither one of them They're both can damaged, find their way right. out. So can that, do they help each other? Or is it really going to keep them in that place of um, fighting to heal? So that's, you know, so I can see how they, you know, the violence and the crimes and the suicide and just feeling that despair because if that's the the people that you're around as well, who has, where's the hope in this? And that's, you know, I had to put that into Emma's life with Sarah and with Evan, showing her that there are people out there that do care about you. You have to break that cycle. You have to get out From the crowd that is holding you down, whether it is your friend or your family or, you know, the situation you're in, you have to find your way out of that.
2: And I think what you're saying is so important because then that came out in the book, in all three books, is that it didn't really matter how much people said, I cared, I'm here to help you. It was, it's really up to the individual who is suffering to To reach out on their own and accept the help and to be able to trust enough. But I imagine if you've been that abused as Emma was in your breathing series, it really is difficult to trust someone, you know, once you, when you've been, when you have been so despised and so mistreated for so long. We are speaking to Rebecca Donovan. She's the author of Reason to Breathe, Barely Breathing and Out of Breath. I wanna say, Rebecca, I was so glad to finally get to out of breath and to the last path of the book <laughs> <laughs> because I absolutely, I almost couldn't breathe reading. I, I, I felt barely breathing. And the beginning of out of breath, I was like pulling my hair out, like do something. I mean, yeah. trust somebody, trust somebody. You know, it was like, please, please. And so I really love the way you... Um, I just thought the way you finished out, the we, it let everybody breathe. <laughs>
4: right. Well, I do. I
5: yeah. see you on a journey. It's very emotional. But I, I wanted to stay true and honest uh, about her situation, about who she is. And you don't put a Band-Aid on the situation. Um uh, It's no. something that needs to, needs to evolve. And you, she has to, you know. As she grows, she will only be better. She hopefully will only get the help that she needs, and and is even recognizing the need for professional help in this. And that was something that was brought up to me from the first book on. Why isn't she getting counseling? Why isn't she talking? Right.
2: Like, And and that's that's what I was wondering, you know, that I felt that, too. Did you because that's something you've received letters from all over the world of people who read this have been involved in, you know, family, alcoholic families, drug families, abusive families, all kinds of of weirdness and uh, and violence. And people are thankful to you. How hard is it for people to decide to get the help they need? And I mean, professional help, not just trusting a friend. It, it
5: takes a lot. I mean, a lot of times it doesn't happen until they become adults and they recognize the damage that it has done to them um, because of the relationships they're in and friendships that have failed um, and just in their own perspective of how they fit into the world. So as an adolescent, it's, it's so centric. You feel so isolated. Uh, so you don't recognize that you're not alone in this. So you take on that burden, and you don't think anyone will get it. Anyone will understand. And here you are. You're expected to talk to a stranger who's supposed to understand what's going on with you, and you know, opening up to a best friend is hard enough. And then asking someone to sit in a room and, and have this person who's going to get you, I can see how challenging that is. And most people. Do. They don't get the how If they get it at all, hopefully they do. Um, it's usually when they they're they're adults, or it's it's a forced situation. She was forced into counseling after, um, after the instances of Reason to Breathe, but it was the court mandated. and Again, it was just something you get out of it what you put in, and right. Um, and she didn't she, want to put her. She wasn't committed. That, <laughs> she wasn't right. committed to it. it uh, yeah, it is it is a very isolating uh, circumstance, and so. Yeah, it's just that trust. It's just like any relationship. Going to a therapist, or going to a counselor is is a trust in finding someone that you have a relationship with and can guide you through the you know the healing process of it. So I I encourage it. Obviously, I mean it's it's very important. But with this with this character, I, I definitely wanted to show the other side of it. Um, that that isolation that she felt. She did feel
2: uh, yes. You showed that, and I also think. She just made such poor decisions, you know, based, and I imagine this is what happens. She made really poor decisions based on good intentions of other people because she was always in that fallback mode of, oh, I don't want to hurt them anymore, so I better just, you know, exit. And so if you can, if the book does nothing else but get that message out to people that there is help, seek it, take it, reach out. And what you were just saying, you're not alone and well, I always think you got to be the star you are. Is that you? Yeah. You do have goodness inside of you, and there's something shining bright inside. It just has to be brought out and and polished. I wanted to go to this whole idea of you going from being an independent writer to getting this book picked up, and then getting to the second soup. And then becoming this bestseller, and now you've got another book coming out, you know, uh, next spring. Tell us that journey because you went from just, you know, being a regular writer to megastar within two years. That's huge.
5: It's so surreal to me, to tell you the truth. I have a hard time yes. wrapping my head around everything that's happening. It's continuing to happen because it, it hasn't, it's not, not done yet. <laughs> it's, it's still evolving. No, no, you're uh, right
2: in the middle of it right now. Yeah. Yeah, Yeah, so I...
5: But how did it start? Well, I I really just took a chance on writing. I mean, I've always been a writer. I mean, I was Emma in the sense of my high school experience. I was the editor of the high high school paper. I was the captain of this, and I was involved in all these clubs. So I I had that side of it down, but I've always written, and I went to school for journalism. and up with a psychology degree, but I went to school for journalism. And I I just have always been a part of who I am. And just tapping, I just took an opportunity, took a chance, and tapped into that side of myself one winter, as, we, as you had mentioned, and just had everyone and anyone read it. And because I didn't want to just publish to say I was published, I wanted to be worthy of being read. And so I didn't want to put myself out into the world until I knew I was It was worth the words I was writing Um, and so it took about a year and a half to two years before I self-published and it was just research recognizing because I tried the traditional way of being published with sending it out to agents and getting rejections.
4: Yeah, it's very hard.
5: (laughs) Yeah, so I I read an article saying that e-books were outselling paperback by four times and it was the evolution of the industry. And how easy it was to self-publish, and I. It was, and in my opinion, the risk was the acceptance. It was a risk was putting yourself out there, and all I had to do was press publish, and it was out there. And the worst that's going to happen, no one was going to read it. <laughs> no one was going right. to, you know. And it, it is one of those books that has a wide range of emotion. It's very powerful. It has a, you know, a really heart wrenching ending uh, that leaves you. Not knowing and um I so yeah, it's it a cliffhanger blue. yeah it's a crazy cliffhanger so I had a whole slew of, of responses overly positive most most of them 95 percent um, and then there are people that just don't like feeling that uncomfortable
2: <laughs> feelings and I yeah, and as because as well. you do feel uncomfortable you definitely feel uncomfortable yeah, no doubt about you do. it yeah
5: so I then uh, a year later, they had to wait a year for so the first readers uh, for Barely Breathing to come out because I had to write it. <laughs> um, I wrote all three back-to-back initially, but the first the second Barely Breathing out of breath just weren't developed well. Um, I needed to really go through and I decided to rewrite them. So I was working still full-time while I wrote Barely Breathing. And so when I released that in May the next year, I was called within a week by a publisher and agent. And that's how Breathake went through the whole traditional publishing process with that, with the writing and editing and, and such. So it's been amazing. It's been you know crazy. Were you shocked? Were you brand.
2: shocked when the uh, when you got that call or when you got contacted? Were you? I mean, were you like, is this for real? You know, because sometimes when good things <laughs> well, happen to us, we don't want well, to accept just... that it's really happening.
5: Yeah, but they. You know, here I was putting myself out there to have them now come to me. That was just right. a great sense of accomplishment, knowing that I grew, I drew the attention. I've succeeded enough, so much on my own. My everything I did was on my own, and now it was worth being recognized it was by worth, the
3: industry.
2: Had you done a lot of publicity around uh, your ebooks or Not just at sending all. out <laughs> nothing, nothing? It was all word so, of mouth.
5: Um, all word of mouth. word of mouth. I, yes, it did. I. It was just it just caught on, and it became that buzz. of, you know, topic. Able, when they read it, they have to have someone else to read it with them, to go through it with them. Um, I've had people talk to me about I we read it in a group so we can hold each other's hands because it's, you don't want to you don't wanna go through this alone. Um you want someone to be able to talk to um when you're right. like, having this much of an emotional reaction <laughs> over the story. And I, well, I get the reaction from the husbands all the time saying what are you doing to my wife? I don't know. She's crying. She's, I don't know what to do. <laughs> like, I don't oh. know. Like, I just tell her to stop, put the book down. They're like, you understand. <laughs>
2: right, right. Well, you have another one that you're working on now. Is it um, in a similar genre? Are you going to pick up where you left off? Is it a brand new? Can we have any little sneak peek, or can you tell us anything? It's called What If.
5: And it's about those choices in life where you have to, you're at the crossroads, and you have to choose one way or the other, and it can, it will, mm. drastically change your life. So it's, but it's living with the regret of not making that other decision, and it's, it's told from the point of view of a twenty-year-old male in college, and it's just about the girl he let go that he never, he never, his what-if girl, the girl that he he never had the chance with, and and through odd circumstances, he's given it pretty much a second chance and how what well he's going to do with it. You know, but it is, it's, it's more about the life choices we make and those what-if decisions.
2: That so sounds kind of, amazing yeah. because, you know, I think so many of us say that. If only we had a crystal ball, we would be able to see, you know, should I turn right or should I turn left?
4: Exactly. what's behind
2: the curtain number 1 what's behind curtain number 3 so what a great topic well rebecca huh? let's give out your website so people can now find out about the breathing series find out where you're speaking or what you're doing and you know get the books and uh, rebecca's website is rebeccadonovan.com spelled just like it sounds rebeccadonovan.com and she's got her three books out right now in the breathing series and of course uh, another one to come the what if do you want to uh, leave us with some final words Rebecca um I've
5: been pleasure and this has been quite the life and I wouldn't want it any other way um so it's been fantastic and I just I hope I continue to write stories that are just as impactful as the series has been
2: well, you've certainly started on the right road. And I just uh, applaud you and congratulate you on your success and on taking that leap because you went through your own what if. Should I push that button and publish or should I not? Right? Exactly. I mean, you've already, what if? You yeah. already had to turn the corner and you saw what happened. So, exactly. I mean, how how much better can that be? And then just to the listeners, I just want to say as far as You know, make sure to support multicultural parent education classes that can promote optimal child development and prevent child abuse and neglect, as well as treatment for victims of sexual assault and domestic violence. Parents need education. They need support groups for life enhancement skills. And, you know, especially um, any parent, and especially if you have a, a pregnant or parenting teen, just remember that there is help out there. And there's a very strong link between abuse in childhood and then poor school performance, increased violence, and unstable situations throughout life. And we have the power to stop it now. Rebecca Donovan has been our guest today, and her books are The Breathing Series. You will be holding your breath through most of it. The books are Reason to Breathe, Barely Breathing. (sighs) <sighs> and out of breath. <laughs> Rebecca, it's been a pleasure. Thank you very much for writing these books and for caring enough about young people to bring awareness to this topic of really domestic terrorism that goes on and to give young people a voice because they really they need it very much. Thank you, Rebecca, for being on Star Style. Be the star you are. Thank you so much. And when we come back, we're going to talk about privacy. Is it mostly an illusion? You'll find out when we return on Star Style, Be the Star You Are. I'm Cynthia Bryan. Please stay with me.
4: the star you are. Be the star you are. You are the star.
0: Change your world. Change your life.
5: VoiceAmericaEmpowerment.com
0: Two 7 Cynthia Bryan is your guide on the side www.cynthiabryan.com. You can be the star you are Business bites Here's Cynthia Bryan.
2: performers always have coaches so we should spend more time coaching our employees not only will we improve weak performance and teach new skills to team members but we'll also foster strong relationships with them the first step of the coaching process is to establish expectations for each of your people before you meet with your employees to set these expectations Take a few steps. Decide where you need to set them. Do you need to address a performance slip-up or a behavioral problem? Set new goals for employees. Support a new company initiative. Outline specific areas for employees. Ensure that you understand the expectations. Make sure you can clearly articulate your expectations before you have a meeting. And if you don't fully grasp what you're asking for, they won't either. Make certain that you can justify what you're talking about. Employees will need to see the bigger picture before they'll commit to making any changes. And once you've outlined specific and clear goals for employees, sit down with them individually or in small groups and discuss what any of their concerns, answer questions, and gain their commitment. Again, the top performers in any endeavor have coaches to help them maintain and continue to grow and improve, and the very best both receive coaching and gain more by coaching others. You are the star of your own performance. Turn your passion into profits. I'm Cynthia Bryan with another Business Bite. For more information, visit StarStyleProductions.com or call 925-377-STAR.
0: are.org.
4: Be the star you are You are the star
0: Positive, uplifting, life-changing talk radio. It's the Power Hour on Star Style, Be The Star You Are. Now, back to the show with the Oprah of the airwaves, Cynthia Bryan.
2: I appreciate you staying tuned to Star Style, Be The Star You Are. I am Cynthia Bryan. I received this email uh, the other day after I had uh, spoken on the air about, I have my quote, you know, what you think about and talk about comes about. And so I got this email that, from uh, A.D. Mola that said, you know, we are literally what we think. And he, it's just a a kind of, um, I just wanted to read it to you because it's a bit of a, a poetry, I suppose. He wrote, we are literally what we think. Our character is indeed a sum of all our thoughts. Whatever we have achieved so far or failed to achieve is nothing but a direct result of our own thoughts. We can only rise, uplift ourselves by lifting up our thoughts, and we can't directly choose our circumstances, but we can surely choose our thoughts and indirectly shape our circumstances. So everything is in our hands. Yes, everything is in our hands. We are the maker and the shaper of our circumstances, conditions, and destiny. Let's shape our character per choice because we are literally what we think. And I thought that was, you know, a rather poignant way of saying how life is a choice and, again, what we think about and talk about comes about. So we should be always putting positive thoughts in our head always trying to grow always trying to boost our brain matter and you know be better people well we're going to just talk a little bit about privacy right now because there's no question that it has become a useful illusion that allows all of us to live without being paranoid you know with privacy we can share our intimacies we can make mistakes We can risk things, and, of course, we can be fully human. But the reality is that the line between private and public space is very porous, and there's really always someone watching and listening. Now, this was true long before the National Security Agency began collecting our telephone and Internet records from technology and communication companies, and long before the House of Representatives gave a thumbs-up to Further NSA collections, and it was true long before uh, the um, the military judge found Private Bradley Manning guilty of espionage for his role in the WikiLeaks case, but they acquitted him, you know, on the charge of aiding the enemy. So the elusive quality of privacy is a recurring theme throughout literature, and it goes back literally to the Hebrew Bible. So it's nothing new. But the revelation of the NSA's vast data collection programs by uh, that crusading contract worker, you know, Edward Snowden, it's made it clear that with the rise of technology, our illusion of privacy is definitely shattering because it's like almost overnight with too little reflection the U.S. and other developed nations have stacked the deck in favor of the watchers. And so a surveillance society is taking root. It's kind of like Big Brother. You know, we used to think we like that was the future. Well, the future is here. Video cameras are constantly peering from lamp poles and storefronts. Satellites and drones, they're floating like hawks, you know, in the sky. The smartphones are relaying a dizzying barrage of information about their owners to these towers that are dotting the cities and punctuating pasture land. License plate cameras and fast pass lanes track the movements of our cars, which are themselves keeping a detailed record of their speed and location. I think of, you know, I buy the fast track to get over all the bridges because I'm in the San Francisco Bay Area. We have a lot of bridges. And it's so interesting when every month, you know, I get this this note of like where I was and what time it was. I mean, it's like every move is being recorded. And meanwhile, on our information superhighway, every stop by every traveler is noted and stored by Internet service providers like Google and Verizon and Comcast. And retailers are scanning and they're remembering and analyzing every purchase that a customer makes. Now there's smart TVs. They know what we're watching. And there's even, they're saying that soon they're going to have eyes that watch us. I mean, it's interesting. I work on a Mac. I'm a total Apple Mac lover. But you know, the camera that's on my computer. In which you can use if you're on Skype or what, whatever, if you want to do your camera or FaceTime or any of that, I always have, I always have a sticky over it because I don't know if somebody's watching me and I don't really want to be watched. But who knows? They're smart meters and they know if our, you know, when to turn on our lights and when to turn them off. So there are few remaining technical barriers to even more surveillance, and they are even falling before the awesome force of all these different computers, you know the new ISs, the new OSs, the new binary digital magic. And until recently there were hard physical limits on the number of pictures that could be developed or videotapes that could be stored or phone company records or you know any of that or let alone analyzed. I mean it just took up too much space. But now there's almost no limits because a disk is so small a A device that was, you know, back in the 80s just held, we thought it held a lot of information and it cost a lot of money. But today, a flash drive costing a thousandth of as much can store 50 times the data and it can fit on a key ring. So just think about that. So... How much privacy do we really have? We really don't have all that much privacy. We just we keep glimpsing every time someone someone fails at something. The government calls the material it collects metadata, uh, metadata instead of just plain old data and the difference it might seem is the difference between a haystack and, and finding the needles that are inside because nobody cares about the hay. They don't even touch it. they there It doesn't matter. A better analogy would probably be the catalog at the Library of Congress. Do you know that it stores over 35 million books and other print publications, much of which probably nobody knows about or even cares and nobody opens them. But why so many? Because it's easier to have publishers uh, scan and send one of everything to choose Uh, Than to choose which publication to preserve and who knows in that vast reserve, what might be needed someday. So basically the government is assuring us that as long as we don't consort with menaces to national security, our phone calls and web searches aren't of interest to uncle Sam or they're nothing, you know, they're nothing, nothing that exciting, but who knows when all of that is going to change because, we our private phone numbers really aren't private. our private emails really aren't private um, and we can not, we just have to decide how much we're going to trust so it's it's one of these things that we don't really know what's happening in the future. We want our gadgets to know us intimately, but we've been willing to pay for that intimacy in lost privacy and are we willing to give up the rest of our? privacy there's been a lot of scandals lately that have happened and you know i don't know about you i just updated my iphone to os7 i think point two or something and there's so many things i don't understand and all these location services and it's constantly asking if if they can send this to apple and if they can send that to something else and and i you can actually track where your children are or where your friends are if you have a certain um a certain app So, you know, there's gone are the days where your teenager can say, Oh, I'm over at Johnny's house because you can see exactly that party that they are at. So, while the scope of surveillance today is broader than in the past, Americans long ago grew accustomed to limits on privacy. And the Supreme Court has held that information voluntarily given to third parties is no longer secret. Nor can we expect privacy to cloak our actions in public places or our communications via public airwaves. So like anything I'm doing right now on the radio, there's no way that, you know, and I can't be any can't be private obviously. So the bottom line is ultimately all of this privacy issue may prove to be our strongest protection. And why, because it might protect us against the rise of the surveillance state, and the same tools that strengthen it strengthen those who protect against it, so privacy is not the only illusion in the new age of data, but government secrecy is too so Big brother might be watching, but Big Brother is also being watched so I think that is very a very interesting um, a very interesting discussion to have because the more technology endangers our privacy, the less we seem to prize our, uh, pol- our privacy. Think about all the Facebook postings that are done and how everybody puts everything on YouTube, etc. So. You, you can read uh, more about privacy. Time magazine had a very good article about it recently. But for me, I feel I'm a public person. I still like my privacy. So there you have it. And with that, I just want to thank you for being a great listener and allowing Heather and I into your life every week. Make sure you're tuned to Voice America Empowerment Network. And we love being your personal growth coaches. So you, we bring you the authors and the experts every single week. And hopefully you have fun and you get some success advice because we want you to change your life for the better and make your dreams come true. For more information about Star Style Productions, visit star-style.com or starstyleproductions.com. To make a donation to the charity Be The Star You Are, and we definitely need donations, we were burglarized, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, and we're trying to recover, go to org or btsya.com. Our aim is always to encourage, inspire, inform, amuse, and motivate. See beyond your physical being. Know you are already a star. And if you don't believe it, get some help doing it. And please read a book this week because that will help you grow. It's like a garden in your pocket. Till next week when we celebrate again, remember that love always wins, kindness always prevails, and smiles keep us happy. My name is Cynthia Bryan from Star Style. Thank you to you and encouraging you. Be the star you are. Shoot for those stars and have a great week. Be the star you
4: are. The star you are.